guys, welcome to Black Chick Lit. I'm Danny. And I'm Molly. <laughs> and I'm the same. I thought, so like, we're going to get into it. This week we're discussing Roxane Gay's hunger, but I thought before we do that, we would touch briefly on how close we were getting to nuclear war. But literally, <sighs> that's already become old news. That's already been overshadowed. I mean, it's like, so we were talking right before we started filming, and we were saying about how we're just staying up late at night, just staring at the ceiling, like, well, I guess this is it then. <laughs> I, it's like, ugh. Like, I knew he would be a bad president, but he's even, like, I had low expectations, but, like, he's failing to meet my very low expectations. <laughs> like, uh, it's just, so we're recording this the Sunday after the quote-unquote protests in Charlottesville, the terrorist attack in, in Charlottesville. And hopefully in the future, things make a little bit more sense by the time you guys hear this. Um, but I think that, you know, ultimately, you know, we want Black Chicklet to be kind of a place of rest for Black people and Black women who might be feeling, you know, on edge or anxious or attacked in other, in other areas. We really want this to be like a place where you can just sit for a second and take a goddamn breath because <laughs> what the fuck is going on out there? Like, I seriously thought, like, the nuclear war jokes, I remember seeing gifts of, like, the Terminator <laughs> on my timeline. I'm like, I'm like, like this shit is not funny. Here. And it's also not funny. Stephen Colbert is apparently developing a, an animated show, and I'm like, no. About what? About Trump. And I'm like, no. Oh. Like, no. it, it stopped being, it never was funny, but it definitely stopped being funny Yeah, a long time ago. I think I read somewhere about that missile or the nuke that could fit in the missile, and they were like, it could reach Kansas City. I was like, you fucking had to say Kansas City in this news article, didn't you? Uh, that means it's only four hours from here. Yeah, so, uh, hey guys, what's up? How, how you hanging in there? We're going to try and stay focused. What else have you done besides this week? What else have you done besides, you know, look up Guam on a map and try and figure out <laughs> how close we are to um, So we have been um, entering the world of discount grocery stores. I'll be, yeah. <laughs> I know we love to talk grocery stores. So there's that um, they have out here. It's called Bargain Market. No, sorry. It's called Grocery Outlet. And then, like, the jingle is Bargain Market. It goes, Grocery Outlet, Bargain Market. So I was thinking about them together. And my dad keeps telling me, he's like, you need to go there, Molly. You need to go there. It's the best. It's the best. He really loves discount food. Uh, <laughs> so I finally went, and we were staring this whole, like, you know, try to save money, try to be frugal, because he really looked at our expenses, and it was like, I don't spend a lot of money on a lot of shit, but I spent a lot of money going out to eat. So, oh, yeah. Same. So we're on week, I think, three of this grand, let's try to cook every single day and let's try to bring every single um, lunch to work and every single snack. Let's plan it all out. So we did like a huge uh, meal prep and then cleaning and laundry. I mean, I know that it's all just a distraction tactic. <laughs> it's like you got to study for a test or write a paper, but you got to clean your room first. Right. I also read three whole ass books <laughs> since the last time that we talked. So, um, 
Yeah, I just, I have been weirdly super productive. <laughs> I've been trying. So one tactic I've been trying to do to like try and deal with this mess that is the current system we're in is like trying to realize what I can control. It's like, so you can only do so much. And if you think about how crazy things are, you get a little overwhelmed. So it's like trying to look and see what you can do. So that's what I'm kind of do to trying to do too. Is like sort of like be productive and control what I can control. Mm-hmm. This has resulted mm-hmm. in me getting so many um, requests for donations in my inbox, and I want to share right. the best one. The best uh-huh. one came from Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it had a gif of him as the Terminator in it, and it was like, help the Terminator fight gerrymandering. <laughs> what? <laughs> Apparently Arnold Schwarzenegger has begun like this campaign to like, I don't know what he's going to do, but it's like it's a campaign to like make the, um, to redistrict, to help promote redistricting so that they're more equitable. And I'm like, you know, this is I mean, not... that's a fabulous idea that I wholeheartedly support, but I'm very surprised at the source. I am too. And I'm also surprised that they straight up used a gif of him as the Terminator. I feel like I can't take right. it seriously. I was it's like, like, I gotta look up, I gotta look up to make sure this is a legit thing. Right. It's like, are you really trying to fight this injustice? Or are you trying to kill, what is his name? Sean Connor? Sarah what is Connor. the kid's name? Sarah, Sarah Connor? Connor? Yeah. I saw those movies for the first time recently, so. Oh, I love those movies. I love those movies and RoboCop. RoboCop would be especially relevant right now. It just feels kind of relevant. Um, yeah. That's what I've been trying to do. Just trying to find control. I do like your attempts to be more productive. That's what I do. I'm really good at it during the school year because otherwise I won't get to eat. <laughs> like I have to make, because I have to be, I have to have lunch for five days and then I have to have dinner for two days. So the only way I can do that is if I do it all on Sunday and then pack it up so I have it for the week because yeah. of class. Ah, that makes sense. We should mention here that we are going to have a little bit of a change with Black Chicklet talking about um, Danny and being in school. Oh, Um, we had to figure out, yeah, when we're going to post the days. Yeah, so I think we said Friday is going to be the day. I feel Mm -hmm. like we've sort of been loosey-goosey enough that people don't really really expect a solid, like, they are definitely coming out today. We would like to get to that point, I think. Right. I think as we are, though, it's just like, I think we're doing good to get an episode up twice a month. Yeah. Yeah, Whatever day that month. (laughs) So you should be looking for us every other Friday. Yeah, we'll let you know. Um, Yeah. So do we want to dive into the book? Yes, we do. Um, Yes, I have it on my Kindle and I have it up here. Okay, so. You bought a Kindle? You bought the Kindle version? I did. I didn't I tell did I tell you about how like I don't know how to buy books anymore? I don't know if I want the print book or to get the ebook. So it always uh-huh. takes me like two weeks to buy a new release. <laughs> that's how long it takes me to fight with myself to figure out what version I'm gonna buy. Yeah. I randomly bought the hardcover of this. You did? I was expecting to hear your views on the Audible. Yeah, I I don't know. I got the <laughs> I got the hardcover. Like I got a legit book. <laughs> Look at it like what is this? All this paper. All this paper. Yeah, I did. I, I think I told you I'm a more productive reader when I'm on an ebook because it's with me everywhere. I was at the dentist this week and like I've, I was there so long, I finished one book and had time to start another. Damn. <laughs> and it was all because it was on my phone. That's good. But yes, yeah, so yes, this episode we are going to discuss Hunger, a memoir of my body, my in parentheses. Mm-hmm. And it's by Roxane Gay. It was released this June, June 13th, 2017. Mm-hmm. And so before we discuss the book, and I don't want to spend too much time on, like, negative stuff, 
or uh, with this person, because I feel like this is what they do. But right. the same day the book was released, there was some kind of BS happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that um, she, I guess, had done, I guess it must have been pre-recorded and, I guess, scheduled to release that day. She did an interview with a podcast. Was it Mama Mia? Anyway, the woman's name is, yeah, the woman's name is Mia Friedman. And it was a really cruelly put together piece. Yeah. They talked about how she, they talked, they referred to her as like super morbidly obese because apparently that's the medical term. And they said like, could she fit in the elevator? And apparently that was never a concern because she only, Roxanne guesses that the only thing she ever asked for is a sturdy seat. Right. So they did this on the same day the book was released, and it was all manner of bullshit. And I feel like this is this lady's thing. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't know anything about her, but it it, it doesn't surprise me. Like, she, because she just did something recently where she tried to do, like, a straight marriage pride thing. Wait, that was her? Yes. Everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? Straight, I don't remember. It was, like, marriage equality for straight people or something, like. And everyone's like, this was really tone deaf. And like, the more I read it, I was like, I don't think this is tone deaf as it was like really written in a way to appear like it's coming from an earnest place, but it's just doing it for the attention. Like, I th- Was she the one, was it the one where it was like point at your engagement ring? I think was so. It that, yeah. one? so that was so fucking stupid. It's really recent. Her name was like Mia Freeman. That's the same lady. Oh my God. So yeah, I think that's her like MO. She just like, does stupid shit Does, yeah to get attention and then rides that but it's Pitty. never so bad that i can tell from what i can tell it's never something so bad to get her kicked off mm. or to get her really make her lose any sort of money it's just mm. offensive enough that people are talking about it wow well let us not give this dummy anymore free airspace well, Unless, was, oh, oh go ahead well i was just saying it was good because a lot of the stuff that happens is touched on True. In the book. And it's like sort of just sort of proving a point. True. Very true. I mean, it's just like, I think, you know, I think she just missed the point of the book so much. You know, even that that one example we use where she says uh, super morbidly obese, like Roxane Gay really deconstructs that that terminology in the book and talks about the history of it and talks about all these different things and what it means to her personally for this Mia Freeman just to throw it out like that it's like you you completely miss the point of this book and I I, I don't like this idea of a false equivalent equivalency of well let's see what Mia has to hear what has to say because she doesn't have to say anything of any importance and she didn't spend any time thinking about this and this is not something she lived with so even putting it on par with with Gay's work is kind of like it's pointless it's like you you're out here stunt queening or whatever the fuck you want to call it um for attention on the back of someone who who has done something so meaningful to a lot of people so it was like be gone from my site yeah we, we're moving on already i just wanted it i didn't need to bring it up actually no no i think it i think because if we didn't talk about it then it would be like you know, but I think it's like when we talked about um, uh, Chigurl. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I love how I just said that. You just knew exactly, I knew exactly what you were talking about. It's like, why keep giving, like, this is a space for us to talk about issues for us. Why do we keep giving? And I'm not saying, like, black chiclet, but I'm 
more broadly, like why do we as marginalized people, why do we as minorities keep giving so much space to people who want to tear us down or write us to stardom or fame or whatever? Reality or, TV show, whatever that chick's getting next. Right, or get rich off of us or braid their hair like us and pretend like it's some new fucking thing. I'm just, it's like, this just is not your space. Exactly. So we're so. going to <laughs> Sorry. In case you missed our ESP, she was talking about Rachel What's-Her-Face. Yes. I have a nickname for her, and I can't even remember my nickname. Oh, Blackface Becky. Yeah, that's it. Blackface Becky. I knew it was Becky something. (laughs) So let's get into it. I'm glad we picked this. When we originally picked this book, so we we just finished reading um, We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. Uh huh. And I don't think we had planned for that one to be as memoir y as it ended up being. I think sure. it was, yeah, it was going to be like a book of essays. So I'm kind of, but I'm actually kind of glad because it's nice to sort of compare, I guess, not formats, I guess it's genres to compare like how two different people sort of go at this, the same sort of type of book. Yeah, definitely. Because I think um, Mark Sangave is written a lot more like poetically mm-hmm. than Samantha Irby's was. Mm hmm. So I put together a little synopsis. It's kind of hard, but um, so basically this book is organized in six parts and in within those parts, the chapters are sort of organized like mini essays. Mm-hmm. So I sort of tried to go and figure out what the overarching theme was for all those parts. And these are very overarching because when you do get into the weeds, just be, part two may deal with one thing, but that doesn't mean that that same topic doesn't come up again in like parts three and four, so. So Hunger, a memoir of my body, is exactly what's written on the tin. In her book, Roxane Gay tells the story of her life, her pain, and her body, and how all those things intersect. Um, The book is broken into five parts that each deal with a different theme, sort of as I said. So part one is the before and deals with her life and relationships before her rape at 12 years old, which I don't know how... I was debating whether or not we'll put a warning at the beginning of this episode. I think it depends. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's part of the book. I don't know that we'll go into very graphic detail but it is something that happened in the book so if you're sensitive to that yeah part two is the after and touches on how she tries to cope with the trauma while hiding it from her family part three focuses on fat bodies and obesity as presented by the media and the medical medical establishment four are her own personal struggles existing within that environment which includes her experiences going out with friends flying on planes grocery shopping and buying clothes so part four is sort of related to part three, but I felt like it was a lot more her experiences as opposed to this is what happens. This is how our society handles black bo- or not black, fat bodies. Part five is focuses on her love. So like her family, food, cooks, writing. And finally, six sort of touches on like her healing and how she plans to move forward. So did you, what did you think of how the book was organized? I, once I could see the organization, I liked it. Um, Like you said, this is written very poetically. I thought kind of dreamily um, because it kind of does circle back on itself a little bit, Um, which kind of when I started made it a little bit hard to follow. But I think once I got where she was taking me, um, I liked it. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. It took me probably till part three to realize how it was broken up. And I think that's where it, the format really works because she breaks everything down. So part three is where she sort of starts discussing like what it's like to live in a very heavy fat body in society. And so each subject sort of gets its own little mini essay, which I kind of mm-hmm. like because it made it easy to like like a topic and come back and find it. 
I think when it's dealing with her personal issues, that's where it sometimes gets entangled in itself, which makes sense because, you know, one experience you have in your life isn't necessarily unrelated to the other things you experience. So it's all sort of, all of our lives are sort of entangled like that. Very true. So, but yeah, I think for me, the part where I really liked it is where she sort of breaks it down in part four and she discusses like, this is what it's like to fly. This is what it's like going out with friends. This is what I have to deal with when I'm trying to find clothes. Because I, you think you're aware of what other people are going through, but you're really not. Yeah. So. Yeah. It is. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely interesting, you know, broadly to compare this to, um, oh, what was the chapter in Irby's? What was it? Fuck it, bitch, stay fat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, like I was they, thinking of that one. Yeah, like they both kind of come to the same conclusion. Like, I want to be healthy, but, you know, I'm not going to. It's like, yes, my body has some limitations. It also can do great things. And I do want to be healthy and all these kind of mixed up ideas. But there were two different ways that they approached it. Like, the yeah, if that makes sense. It does make sense, yeah. And I think it may also be different, like, where they're coming from. Like, I don't think, I don't presume to speak, but I don't think Samantha Irby, her weight has, is as related. I don't know if there's any trauma there the way it is with Roxanne Gay. Because she does at one point, I think, admit that she sort of ate to protect herself. True. And, like, she fears losing weight because she fears that she won't have that protection. Yeah. This book gets really blown over one point, and it's like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, she is drawing a very clear line between, you know, the trauma that she experienced as a child and um, uh, her her weight, her current weight, versus Irby, who is, um, you know, she did have a traumatic childhood, I think, <laughs> on the whole, like, you know, um, Roxy and Gay is talking about like the family and so loving. And I don't think those are things that or that stability is what Samantha was was dealing with at an early life. But it, it's interesting that 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 connection, that one to one connection isn't quite there. And I don't know if Samantha ever really looks at or looks for a cause for it other than she likes snacks and you know she doesn't want to go outside which to me um I mean obviously that's more accessible for a reader but I don't think one is I don't think you can compare them and say oh one's more interestingly written or one's this or that because as you said they're both memoirs and they're both very very personal stories and I think Samantha Irby's only devoted a chapter and I guess I don't think it's as defining in her life because I don't think she's I don't think she's uh, heavy to a point where it impacts her life the way she has other disability issues that impact True. her probably more than her and this take more of a, a center stage yeah in some of the other essays so but I was trying to see so this this one it's like I was trying to figure out the line she has a line that I sort of want to talk about because like this one I this one was like the first book I read when it was ah <laughs> this book was the first one we read in a while where they were like key like lines oh yeah text and key sentences that like really stuck with me and stood with me I think 
the one that sort of sums up how I feel about this book is um it's comes at the end of chapter 71. I wouldn't use page numbers, but Kindle. Um, and it was, I am weary of all our sad stories, not hearing them, but that we have these stories to tell, that there are so many. And that sort of just sums up, we were sort of talk, hinting at talking about 2017, but it sort of just sums up my exhaustion sort of with like everything. I'm really sick that these things keep happening and repeating and that they're repeating and that they never seem to stop. Yeah. So it's, you get exhausted and kind of burnt out. Yeah. So that line was yeah. one that probably stuck with me for the whole the whole book. Oh yeah, yeah. There was one early on for me. Um, so I kind of thought I might return this book because <laughs> oh, it, was, it was it was expensive. <laughs> so I didn't like mark it up and just get like a a paperback copy later because like I went to the store and I saw it was like a smooth thirty dollars and I felt it like leave on my hand. I was like. Yes. And did you go to like an independent bookstore? Or did you go to like Barnes and Noble? I went to Barnes and Noble. So I was like, oh, $25.99 it says. So I was like, maybe I can just read this and keep it pretty and then return it and then hit you up when you come out with that paperback girl. Because, you know, you're doing big things and her books come out on paperback really quickly. So. Yeah, it was, I think it was either $10 or $12 on Kindle. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I probably should have. That's the only thing. I, I, I struggle with reading books on screen because I think you know my struggles with the eye and how my eyes aren't focused and the doctor is like, yeah, eyes aren't pointing the same way. So I think I get more tired out reading on screen than I do in paper. I don't, like this is off topic, but I think about that sometimes and it just cracks. <laughs> <laughs> I think about your poor eye doctor and, like this, and the fact that like, yeah, some grown woman come in. He's like, have you at when you were a child, think real hard. Did anyone ever look into your eyes? Maybe it was a doctor. Maybe they had a little light. Do you know what glasses are? He's like, there are these things that can help you. Like, look, dude. Yeah, I, don't know, I think about that sometimes. But yeah, it cracks me up. I'm like, oh, poor Molly's doctor. But um, yeah, there was. I like the part, you just said something and now I'm like. Oh, why I was bringing that up because usually I mark like my physical books and I hadn't been marking this one so I can't go straight to it. But was the part when she was talking about her and her brothers like playing in the woods and being outside and I just really love that passage because it reminded me of me and my brothers and it was so like. I don't know, it was so clear and vivid the way that she talked about her family um, that it, it almost seemed like while a lot of other things were kind of swirling around, like her time at college or, um, you know, when she was in, did she go to Florida, was it? Um, you know, her kind of lost years, like all of that, the prose seems very, like it goes back on itself and it's kind of dreamy. But when she talks about her family, it seems so present and so vibrant. And um, I think that those are the parts that really stuck out to me. Yes, yeah, I really like when she talks about her family because you can sort of really hear the love there and like mm -hmm. the really strong connections, even though in the same book and then I think in the same voice, she does sort of feel, maybe not shame, but she does sort of feel their, their she says disappointment, I think, with how, with her unruly body, as she calls it. But the love is still there, even though she does not like the way they talk to her about her body or the way they treat her body. Right. And it's, it's interesting that she writes about that complexity in such a simple way. Like, you kind of think you know, like, in the 
what was it? Was it the prologue where she's thinking about gastric bypass and she goes with her dad? Okay, go ahead. Please continue. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so we had a little micro microphone mishap, but we're back. Um, but yeah, I was saying that um, I really like the way she talked about her family and her relationship to them being so complex, but she was talking about it in a very simple way that kind of subverted my expectations. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think it's the prologue where she's considering gastric bypass, so it's a very early chapter, and she goes with her father, and you kind of, at, at first I was kind of getting the sense that the dad was pushing her into it, because I think the ghost of the dad from... Uh, weird ever meeting in real life was just like in the back of my head like oh bad dad but then at the end he's like I don't think you're there and the dad especially you get this sense that he loves her and he's so proud of her but you know he can't quite reconcile her weight with who she he knows that she is mm -hmm. and then turning that back on Roxanne like how how do you deal with that how do you deal with someone who loves you unconditionally but there is this one condition right and that scene was strong and i think there's the scene where she's trying on clothes and she overhears the other girl dealing with her mother and she's like fat mm. daughters and thin mothers have a really difficult com like different conflict to kind of face i kind of had to deal with that i was a lot heavier as a child than i was as an adult and my mother was heavy too but my aunt wasn't so she would take me shopping and like i sort of hated it because people who have never or people who don't have weight issues i guess don't understand like and it's hard to understand but like they don't understand how think how hard it can be just to go like try a pair of pants not have it fit and like go throughout the whole store and find nothing that is for mm. you so that one kind of really hit me there too so she does do those like little scenes and those little snippets very well yeah what did you think of her? i kind of liked when she started like talking about the Biggest Loser in 600 Pound Life, because I used to watch those shows pretty avidly. Oh, really? Yeah, not, yeah I thought that was interesting. Yeah, not, not Biggest Loser as much as 600 Pound Life, because Biggest Loser, loser is inherently harmful, and I don't know why it's on TV, to be honest. Yeah, I, I remember when it was really popular, and I was just like, I, I, again, um, I think a lot of my struggles as I'm getting older are just that I have a huge ego. Um, my father <laughs> said that he, I mean, okay, so he dressed us all in like those white t-shirts that you get 10 for 10 from, um, what's it called? And like jeans from Walgreens. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> those white t-shirts and Walgreens and like jeans from, uh, um, uh, TJ Maxx. Uh -huh. Um, and then I was in a uniform at any other point. So, like, trying on clothes is not something that I really did until I got to college. Um, but, um, yeah, he said that he kind of made us egomaniacs in his own image, <laughs> which I think is an egomaniac thing to say. <laughs> um, but, you know, I love it. So when I, w when I think about, like, Biggest Loser, I think I could not, I cannot imagine a world where someone would speak to me like that, uh, that we both would, like be on tv and neither of us would be in jail or dead like i just i can't i can't wrap my head around it so that's why i never quite got into that show i know that was like a super long tangent but um i think but it does sort of she touches on something where she says i want to make sure i find it she i have my bookmarks it just takes me a while to get uh -huh. to them 
But she says something. Ah, oh, Kendall, I hate you sometimes. She says something like, "No, Kendall, we love you." I do. Please okay, yes, give us I do love you. I don't love you on my phone. I don't like the phone platform. The Kindle platform is great. True. But she says something with like um that she herself is a product. I do, however, live in a world where open hatred of fat people is vigorously tolerated and encouraged. I am a product of my environment. So I think in the, a lot of the times the people on Biggest Loser are dealing, they've dealt with their weight for a long time, and I think they don't like themselves. And I think that's why, that's why I think it's even more harmful. I think that's why when they get on this environment and they're told, oh, you're so lucky to be at this ranch to have this opportunity to, to lose weight and work with these, these right? trainers. And and they're sitting here like ah. it's this big favor to you, then I could see how like you're kind of you feel like, yes, this is this is a good thing. I this is a chance. I and then a lot of the times on the very first episode of the season, they'll have like a list of finalists and then they make those finalists compete to like secure their spot. So like I can kind of see how you can get sort of like looped into thinking, I deserve yeah. this. Or yeah. or this this is what I need or something. It's so just manipulative and just wrong like i looked up the picture of that girl that she um that she mentioned the one who who lost mm -hmm. and i thought it was interesting how she because i looked up the picture and i was like this does not look like healthy weight loss to me i am not a doctor i don't know any of it you know but i can look at my with my eyes and say you look maybe a little unhealthy at the weight that you are right now mm -hmm. Um, the girl who lost all that weight so quickly. Mm -hmm. And I like how she was like, oh, you know, the other end of the spectrum, like, yes, she lost it, but she did it in a way that wasn't approved by people. So she just continued to get attacked. Yeah, that was interesting because I had never thought about it like that. Like that way, either you, you gain the weight, you get attacked, you lose the weight, you get attacked. Yeah. And it's like, well, what, what's, <laughs> how do you win? How do you win with? with a body <laughs> in this in this setup it's rigged against you yeah. and i think you're right like there is no way i think biggest loser i think is the biggest haha the biggest culprit <laughs> of this and it's just because you know they're not doing anything they're not doing anything that they can go home and sustain they're not doing right. they're not learning any like actual healthy habits or any ways to get over like whatever their issue is with food they're not learning how to deal with it it's just right you're gonna be and on a treadmill for eight hours a day yeah and they're not learning any kind of self ex ex um acceptance or love or you look at roxanne gay like again how she's tying her her weight gain to this trauma in her life mm -hmm. like you're not they're not getting to any of the psychological things they're saying why do you why are you in this mindset? Why are you afraid? Why It's just like, you are bad. Your body is bad. And we're going to put you through all this bullshit that you can never, that to set you up for failure later, mm -hmm. just so he could put a skinny picture of you on TV. Yeah. For, I don't even think it's a million dollars. How much do they win? Is it like, I have no idea. <laughs> I have not seen the show. Um, I do. I have watched a lot of episodes of 600 pound life. And I liked how, because the way she described it in the book is pretty much how it goes down. And like seeing, hearing her describe it made it like feel kind of like, yeah, it is really sort of exploitative. I hate that word. I use it like once an episode and I can never say it. Exploitative. <laughs> but it's like they do the, the close ups. They show people who are like crying and sad. And then Dr. Now comes and he sort of scolds people and tells them they've got to get their act together. And then they get the surgery. And then at the end of the episode, they're like, I'm going to change my life. That's if they're successful. Some of them aren't successful. 
Mm. So it's just interesting sort of looking at, I kind of wish the book had done a bit more of that, but it is a memoir. It's not a, it's not a sociological study. Right. Right. Um, another, sorry to switch gears, but, um, another little moment that sort of stuck with me is how she talks about how no one, when she like goes out with friends or family, they don't consider her needs. So like she has to go out to what she wants to get at a restaurant. She's got to look up the restaurant. She's got to see what kind of seating it has, things like that. And it's like, and you don't think about that. And I was trying to think if I have friends who are heavier, if I've ever thought about their comfort or their needs. And I don't think I always have. Oh no. Uh, third time's a charm. <laughs> But uh, as I was saying, I don't know, I don't know how much Molly heard, so I'm just going to repeat it. Yeah, but there's one part in the book where she talks about how when she goes out to eat, she has to research like the restaurant and the furniture and she has to take care of where she's going to go because she has to make sure that she can be comfortable and that she can access it. And I've realized like I have friends who are heavy or maybe not that heavy, but who are heavier. And I don't think I think about that or give them that consideration. And it's sort of like made me aware of that. Yeah, definitely. Because it's just the way it's written. It's not like there's a lot that happens. She says a lot. Yeah. There's not a lot that happens. Yeah. And then the big, I guess we could touch it. The big thing that does happen, and we don't have to go into too many details, but she is raped when she's 12 years old. And I was sort of, I can't think of the right word, but the fact that she was willing to share that much information. Yeah. Even in a book on this platform, I found sort of, I don't want to say odd, but I was like, proud not proud but you know what like i don't know what to say that doesn't sound creepy anything i say is going to sound really creepy but i was sort of like uh like i guess inspired or proud or like proud of her that she was able to address that trauma in a book and basically put it out there for everyone to consume yeah like like you admire that yes, it you. was it like it's obviously something that was difficult for her to do but if this is you know, something that she feels like is going to help her heal, mm -hmm. then it's admirable. Like, I don't think any, everyone should go out and be forced, like, tell your story, tell your story. If you don't oh, want yeah. to, you don't have to. But if this is something that was difficult for her and is going to, and she wants to do to take control of this narrative mm -hmm. in her own mind, because writing is such an important tool for her, I think it's very, it's admirable that she's able to do it. It's the whole, it's just really sad. And it's like, men are garbage and i know that's not what she's saying but it's like i mean like i know that's not what she's saying she's not saying that but it sort of goes back to that quote i said earlier where i am weary of all our sad stories and it's yeah. like i'm tired of hearing these type of stories yeah this like, story yeah yeah because it's just i mean with all the r fucking kelly shit in the news oh, what the hell I don't understand. It's been 20 years. Right. And he's consistently preying on young black women. We see it over and over and over and over and over again. It's just like. It like nobody cares. He ain't even because the nigga can sing or whatever it right. is. Like, and it's just like, really? Like, I really just had violent fantasies towards what I would do if I could meet <laughs> the guys who did this, you know, now. Yeah. And I was like, I really fucking hope you read this bullshit i hope it keeps you the fuck up at night what you did to this child i don't I know. know i like we all have our triggers and i think like violence against kids just it just i don't know why it just really 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 gets to my core and i'm just like ugh, yeah because 
it's a really cowardly yeah. and it, like it's it's it doesn't say much for someone to attack a child especially in that way like that's it's pre- it's preying it's a predatory behavior mm-hmm. and it's it's just disgusting mm-hmm. and i was also kind of sad where she mentioned that she'll sometimes look him up the fact that he's in a place where he's successful mm-hmm. and it, it's like oh and it makes you wonder like how many other people like men specifically let's just say how many other men like have maybe not this extreme but like have these type of stories and have these type of things in their background and because it's sort of implicitly approved rape culture in our society they don't see themselves or they don't think they're that bad does that make sense danielle just keep talking because my garage band is doing something really weird (laughs) (laughs) uh this episode (laughs) what the fuck are you doing why is it analyzing okay okay is it still recording Mm mm-hmm Okay. I was just saying, like, um, but this made me like rape culture where some, like, you know that there are men who do, who commit these acts, but they don't see it as rape because right. of the way we have shaped the narrative. Did you Although ever... this was definitely oh, was, yeah. but, and I don't think there's any way you could, you'd have to do some real mental gymnastics to sort of not realize the act you did. Right. Um, there's this one podcast I used to listen to pretty frequently. Um, the Black Guy Who Tips. Have you ever heard that? No. It's like this husband. I like that title, though. <laughs> yeah. It's this husband and wife, and they do, like, an almost daily show, and they do, like, two or three hours a day. I would just get so far behind that I kind of stopped keeping up with it. <laughs> um, but I remember that they were kind of talking about this, and they were talking, you know, from the guy's perspective, and he was like, you know, you don't think about it. You're get, You're always told that, you know... X number of women out of 10, this many women in your life, if you look around, you're going to see women who have experienced sexual violence. But he's like, but as men, we're never really taught to think that for each one of those women, there is a man that you know, a man that is in your life who is a rapist or who has um, exerted some sexual violence over another person. And it's like, right? And I was like, fuck, you're right. And I think it just shows like how we it's always sort of like that victim blaming thing like women get raped but like they're not who's doing the action right it's like they get raped by nobody it's just a thing that happens <laughs> a thing that happens yeah wow that really just sort of like yeah why don't we think about it fucks it? you up then to thinking about it huh <laughs> well that was like um I think it was a little after college where it was like those how to like those tips for how to be safe uh-huh. were basically just like. Here's here are tips to make sure if they do rape, it's just not you. And it's like, well, um, can we go a little bit higher up the river with that yeah. and say, like, look at the rapist and be like, yo, you know, if you see somebody about to rape, just smack Stop. them on the back of the head and say, don't do that. Don't do yeah, that. That's so. not hard. Uh, we have a society where we say we give lip service to not supporting this. But then when, you know, when, when it's time for the rubber to hit the road very little is done to support rapists or to punish to support rape victims or survivors or to punish rapists right like what was i was being like colin copernic can't get a job but the number of how many wife beaters and rapists are there in the nfl right and fucking michael vick is out here saying like criticizing him it's like michael vick you were making dogs kill each other this dude just wants like black children to stop being shot in the street (laughs) 
Like, can we can we stop with this bullshit? I think we're really bitter this episode. I think I mean, like, guys. Again, I don't know. Like, I'm not gonna wood right now. I don't know what fresh hell will come by the time you hear this. But right now, it's like. I hope when we listen to this in the future, we're in a better place. I hope so too. I hope that we and can I, be a little yeah. cooler headed, but right now it's, it's hard. Well, I also think it's the fact that the book says it's about, the book was in theory, like I think marketed as this book about her dealing with her weight, but it's a lot more than that. Definitely. Cause it's her weight. It's about sexual violence. She went through. It's about, it touches a bit on um her, how she was treated in her relationship. So there's a lot, it's a lot more than just a book about being heavy. It's a book about being a woman who is heavy and who has experienced this trauma. Right. It's just, it's just a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I remember when, so last month we were like, oh, let's read the funny book first because, you know, shit's real stressful. We had right read now. Beloved. Yeah, we had read Beloved. It's like, let's take a break. And then, you know, we pushed off hunger for a month and now it's like, uh, well, I mean, I don't know if I could have taken Beloved than Hunger. True. True. Very true. I, we did get somewhat of a break with Samantha Irby, We did something so. just very funny and very lighthearted for our next read. Cause We're going to look that up. Um, she did come, Roxane Gang did come to St. Louis and she did like, I guess her tour. Oh yeah. And it's interesting. I like following her on Twitter cause she gets like, <laughs> she gets heated on Twitter. <laughs> she does not take any bullshit from anybody. Well, that's because there's a lot of people just acting stupid. Right. Like, why are you so dumb? So, uh, and she talks on that about a bit of like how people feel, I guess, entitled to talk about her body. Yeah. And I feel like that's a thing with women in general. Yeah. Cause she, she sort of touched, you touched on that with the, the biggest loser winner. It's like, you can't win. You can't win. Or like Beyonce's titties right now. They're like, uh, did we talk about this on the show? I can't remember if it was in a lost portion. Um, well, this is the first I've ever heard of it. So, <laughs> cause you know, she had the twins and then she snapped back mm-hmm. and then she had the thing and people were like, um, oh, you know, she looks so wonderful. She didn't let any of that body fat hang on her. It's like, well, she just had twins and she was, she was the most pregnant you could be. Like in those last few weeks, those pictures, like she looked ready to have them damn kids. She was like, y'all been up here too long, not paying any rent, using all the AC. (laughs) So it's like, you know, one thing like, oh, you're too fat. And then she loses it. And then like all these other moms are like, "Uh, this is you know, this is not an accurate representation. This is what a real mom looks like. And I'm like, am I mistaken? Did she not really have those fucking kids? So it's like, you're wrong if you're fat. You're wrong if you're fit. You're just wrong. I think that's the the message we get as women so often. You are just wrong. Yeah, people like to police women's bodies. Yeah. The thing... So, like, I can't remember, like, the, I think of the way it's organized. I have trouble remembering, like, the full overarching things, but I re- keep remembering little bits and, like, touching on that when she was like when there are men who like to shout yeah. from their car because she has the audacity to like not be attractive that sort of grinds my gears too like we it all is just oh, so entangled uh, into each yeah. other yeah go ahead um i wanted to go on a mini tangent and really ask because we talked about this once um and i i don't quite understand that mindset of why guys just yell out like, I remember I was going to the grocery, the um, airport with my boyfriend, and um, we stopped to fill up gas at the rental car, whatever. 
and there was this guy outside. It was like 6 a.m. And he was like, hey, baby, what's up? And I was like, I just kind of walked past. I was like, okay. And he was like, well, bitch, you ain't cute. And I was like, well, I really wanted to stop and say to him, what was the mindset? Like, you know, put aside the anger, put aside everything. I just logically want to know what you, what was your best case scenario? What's your, we did discuss this. Yeah, what's your best case scenario for Roxanne yelling at her and telling her the way she looks? Like, what, what, what is it? Do you feel that inadequate in your life that everyone constantly has to look at you? Do you think that if you yell at a woman, she's going to like, wake up and find Jesus and lose 30 pounds? Do you think like you're going to get with this woman and have mind blowing sex? Do you think you're going to like meet the love of your life staring at somebody on the street and harassing them? Like what is the mindset? What's the end goal? I, I think it's entitlement. I think it's men feel entitled to women's attentions. And if women don't give them that attention, they get angry. And so then they have to see. And that is the best response I've heard yeah. to that. So that's what I think it is, because it's like, you said, like, well, people are just saying, because, like, there are men who try to excuse it. It's like, well, they're just being polite. They're just saying hi. It's like, they're, they're not doing that to you. So are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> I'm really paranoid now. It's like, they're not doing that to you. This isn't just a thing of being polite. They feel entitled to women's attention. Uh... And they feel entitled. And so when you don't give them that, they get they get all pissy. That's men sometimes tend to do. I could see that. And that's what I, yeah, that's what I think it is. Yeah. Cause it's and like, like that you're not telling too. anyone anything that they haven't heard from another, you know, fuck ass dude on the street before. It's right. not news to anyone. You just feel like you need to be the center of everybody's attention or this it's woman's like she, attention. Yeah. And so it's like, she says like when she's out and she's not attractive, apparently like, she, nobody's no woman dresses leaves the house for like some strange man on the side of the road <laughs> or like for some rando driving down the street so when you go out and have the audacity to not care if they find you attractive or not again it's that same well i'm entitled to have like pretty women to look at right. and you're not pretty so i'm gonna let you know that i don't like that right it's just it's crazy to me yeah oh i think we were talking about this earlier via text or something like how we have a lot of conversations to get through this <laughs> yeah like just guys are like oh you know um i want to put my shoes under your bed like i want you to cook and clean and be <gasps> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think this plays into that are we talking about the, my recent incident yes. i think mine is completely i think that's like a that that's a severe unsocial like you you don't know how to socialize but it, it probably plays into that too i think if this this one was so severe so i was talking to this guy mm -hmm. listeners <laughs> and basically he alluded that he really wants to get married which fine you know who but he he wanted insisted, to get married to you yesterday like y'all haven't met yet <laughs> yes it's like insistent. I was like, well, you want to meet for a drink? He's like, yes, let's get the ball rolling so we can be in a long-term relationship and, and get married. And I was like, wait, do I have a say in any of this? Right. Like, it was like a guaranteed thing. I think this was a, I think that was a special case where either he's like, there's either a cultural difference or he's got social, doesn't really know how to socialize well. I don't know what that was about, well, but he maybe, did say the thing. Uh, maybe it's just like, a, you know, presumptuous for insecure, but it's like, you know, you get told oh, you have to tick off all these boxes. And he's like, well, I should have a wife in my life. And right. you fit the mold. So 
you know, fuck being romantic or anything. <laughs> How about you come and rinse out my drawers or something? That's basically what I said. I felt like I was applying for a job. Yeah. He's like, oh, you, you got a job? Oh, you cook? Oh, your wife material. I'm like, first of all, creepy. Second of all, I don't, I barely cook for myself. I sure as hell ain't cooking for you. Right. Third. <laughs> so, yeah, that was just weird. But he did say, yeah, when he heard I liked attempting to bake, he was like, oh, I love a woman who's good in the kitchen. I'm like, oh. That's like, okay. I mean, well, shit, what are you going to do? That's what I just said. What's your part in this? Because let me tell you, getting a PhD is not going to, he was like, he's he got to get a PhD to provide for his family. No one gets a PhD to be, get make money. Right. I'm sorry. Right. It's like, so, um, you know, I'm going to need you to fill out this application in triplicate. <laughs> I just, uh, I had to, I, he didn't answer after I pulled that, like maybe put the brakes on and I, you know, I'm fine. Yeah. I, he was, when you show, told me his Instagram and it was all pictures of him on one day. <laughs> Like there were some warning signs. His entire Instagram account flags. was like his entire Instagram account was like seventy photos of him, but just in the, the same, same suit, suit, same chair, on the same day. <laughs> well, no, there was one of him at the suit store, <laughs> and the rest were him in the suit, sitting in chair. And I'm like, this is just back away. I was like, I gotta get out of this. I used to be when I first started dating. It's like I'll date everyone like give everyone a chance because it's like like what you're uh like what you said it's a numbers game you just gotta try everything now i'm like screw it i don't care like, i don't know danielle i think your standards are too high we already know this man owns a suit <laughs> a suit we, i don't even know if he owns more than one we know he owns one suit <laughs> oh gosh it was just so much. And I was like, I'm just going to put the phone down. And that's what happens. Like, I, I experience some craziness. And I'm like, you know what? I'm actually fine just being by myself. <laughs> I read. Mm-hmm. I have friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we got way off topic. I feel like her it's all she- connected. <laughs> when she talked about her relationships, that made me a bit sad. And so I think I think it ended on a somewhat positive note. Because she does say that she is healing and the fact, I think the fact that she could write this book and tell this story is a sign yeah, that. I think so. Because it's like, if you think about the things she did after she finished writing that last sentence, she submitted mm-hmm. this book. Mm-hmm. And she was like, and then, I'm going to make my money off of this. I'm going to empower people. I'm going to tell my story the way I want to tell it. And that is like massive, you know? Yeah. And I and I know that there are parts she said she still couldn't talk about. But I think this is just alone. It's just, it's a really big thing Mm -hmm. and it's got people talking about it and like we just sat here and had this discussion about rape culture and yeah and i mean it 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 definitely fire even though the um it's kind of sparse i don't know if that's the right word for it but it's kind of um like you said she writes a lot but on a few things it still fires Mm -hmm. off into all these different directions Mm mm-hmm I do. I think the one line that broke my heart was probably like, I don't know if it was from her father or her mother. It was definitely one of her parents who said, like, we would have gotten justice for you. Yeah. Oh, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Because she felt she couldn't tell good. them. And it's like. Oh. Yeah. That was probably the thing that hurt me the most is like, I'm, it just felt like, could you imagine being a parent and like you're a child not feeling that they could come right. to you? Right. And like to that. be a parent who, for, you know, all looks of it. And honestly, well, I don't know. It, it definitely painted a lot of her relationship with her family. Maybe there's a little bit of rose tinted glasses to it, but 
but mm-hmm. it seems like just from what she said, people who really sacrifice and people who wanted the best for her and people who, like, to her parents' minds, they probably thought that they were doing everything they absolutely could, and A, not to be able to protect her from this, and then B, feeling like she couldn't come talk to them, even though they tried to mm-hmm. be the absolute best parents that they could to her, would mm-hmm. yeah. destroy me if that happened to me. I'd be like, I don't even... Yeah. Yeah. So... But I guess that's just the the insidiousness of sexual violence. Like, it can, obviously for Roxanne, it can distort the way you see the world. Yeah. That was another line I liked. She said, I suppose we should keep our shame to ourselves, but I am sick of this shame. Silence hasn't worked out that well. Or maybe this is someone else's shame and I am being forced to carry it. And I really think it's that second part. I think it is, too. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, because I, um, I, I mean, that guy knows what he did. All those guys know what they did. And mm-hmm. it's like, I wonder, what what do you think? I, I, I don't, I can't put myself in that mindset. One, like, I don't know how you do something like that. And then to go to school the next day and, to, yeah. and sort of la- tell everyone and laugh about it. I think, like I said, it's a it's a predatory behavior. Like, I don't think... You're not a mentally healthy or socially healthy person yeah. if you're doing that. Yeah. Especially to like, oh, she was four years younger than him? I think so. Definitely some. Yeah. I don't know if she was the same age as him or closer in age, but I think some of the guys were quite a bit older. Yeah. So I, I can't put myself in that mind yeah. space. Yeah. I really don't want to. So, um, but yeah, there was one final quote. Like, I just got quotes. That's okay. And it was like... I am stronger than I am broken, which I kind of liked. I think that's, that was like sort of the hopeful thing at the end. So it's like, yeah, she has gone through this trauma, but she can, she can be stronger than what it did to her. She's stronger than the people who hurt her. Yeah. Yeah. And she is, you know, she's extremely successful with what she does. Mm -hmm. Like how many essayists do you know out there? (laughs) <laughs> not many right so she's really um you know in spite of or because of this i think probably more because of the person that she is as a whole is just like her her mode is to like win like her mode is to do what she wants and be successful and not take shit from people as we see with mm-hmm. her wonderful twitter account <laughs> Oh, she came to my job and we pissed her off. You pissed her so off. She wrote an essay. Not me, the universe. So she wrote this essay like in response that was really great. It was basically, it was such a clusterfuck. It was basically, she was coming as part of like this group of, it was like a feminist group and they invited her and like, because they had these damn children explaining the contract terms, they were like, okay, but you can't bring up abortion. <laughs> she was like, and I think the point was, one, I wasn't planning to talk about abortion, but now that you said, no, she it, said it, I guess I'll talk so, about it. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about it. So she did this whole essay and it was like, oh God, it, it was just, yeah. So she was pretty heated. I think at one point she had talked about maybe canceling her appearance because really? I remember I was following her Twitter that day, but she came. So I got to hear her speak. Like I stayed after um, work to like go hear uh. her speak. And that's when I decided to read. I think that's when I really got first introduced to her. Because after that, I went, this was a few years ago. After that, I went and read A Dangerous State because she announced that it was being turned into a movie. Uh-huh. Not, not A Dangerous State. What the heck? I just like merged two book titles together. <laughs> um, um, what's uh, Untamed State? I was mixing up bad. I don't know what I was mixing up, but An Untamed State, she announced that it was being made into a movie. So she came and she 
announced that, and that's when I first discovered her. And so she read this um, essay she wrote that was really good, and apparently she wrote it in like a period of two hours about how she believed in a woman's right to choose. So it was, yeah, we pissed her off, and she came back with <laughs> with words. So it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I mean, she definitely is a very big personality in like the writer's space right now. Yeah. Also, she's a writer's writer, I think. Yes. I also liked how she said uh, she didn't like people touching her. Like, that was very relevant. <laughs> like, just, just stay away. Leave me alone. I'm like a cat. <laughs> Don't touch me unless I invite it. So, overall, would you recommend this book? I think we're... Yeah, absolutely. We're both recommends. Yeah. 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 It was it was a good read. It's, it's a surprisingly quick read, too. Yeah, I think it goes back to the way it's structured. You can put it down and pick it up again and not feel... Like, you can zip through the chapters really quickly, and then if you have to put it down, you can pick it right back up and just get going. Yeah. Yeah, the chapters are very, um, they're short. Like, it's, there's an idea for a chapter, and once that idea is done, it goes to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I think it probably helps rereading it. Like, if there's mm-hmm. if there's certain topics you want to hear or go back to reading to what she says about them, you can just stick to that one little chapter, read it, and then skip around and go to the next. I kind of like mm-hmm. it. I like it, too. But yeah. Yeah. I think I don't think I've read this many memoirs in a year before. <laughs> Me neither, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you read Charlemagne's memoir too, didn't you? Which one? Charlemagne's. Oh yes, I did. Oh, did you hear that mess, which was sort of related oh, to the sexual violence we were talking about? What the fuck were they thinking? I don't like, understand. Come on, like, guys? It's like two thousand, the year two thousand seventeen, and we're like. I'm just hoping this is like a zit that's like all the disgustingness will get exposed to the air and we can like just purge ourselves of it. That's me being hopeful though. I don't know if that's how it's going to happen. I don't know. I remember like when Barack Obama was in office and my mom and my grandma were having this conversation of like the pendulum swinging back and forth. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you know, it's progress now, but people are going to react to it and it's going to seem bad, but then the pendulum will swing back to our side and I was like at the time I was like no we're gonna be like this forever hope <laughs> that's what you get for now listening to your mama right can I say um so my mom is listening to more of these now <laughs> we should <laughs> stop she... cussing so much <laughs> no so she said that uh, <laughs> it's funny you're by with her because she said that she's been recommending it to people <laughs> and she said that um but my daughter has a dirty mouth, and I don't know where the fuck she got that from. <laughs> That's been her life. So we tried. Like I think the first few episodes, we you were like, tried we, harder we than did I try. <laughs> and then we were like, Ugh. I still haven't put the explicit e on us yet. But I think we should at some probably point, get it. <laughs> I just fucking love cursing. I did too. It's a really good. great stress reliever. What's that SpongeBob episode where they're cursing and it's oh. like it feels like a fancy like garnish or tingle in your mouth to curse? Sailor mouth? I think that's Sailor it. Mouth. Yeah, it's just it's fun. Mariah loves SpongeBob. Mariah has good taste. <laughs> uh, okay. I think yeah, so I think we, we've discussed I had something else about that I was going to say. It's gone now. It's fine. But I think we agree. Um, oh, I was going to say, you know what book I just started reading? This was back to your mom's pendulum thing. Uh-huh. Um, I just started reading Stamp from the Beginning, a definitive uh-huh. guide to, I think it's a definitive guide to America's racist ideas. Uh-huh. And, and like the chapter, he sort of sort of said that. He says like, there are three strands 
in American history. There's the segregationist or the racist. Mm-hmm. There's the true anti-racist. And then there are like the assimilation. This, I can't say words. Assimilationist. Like, yes. Who are like, if black people would just act this way, mm. then then they'd be fine. And so he sort of talks about how every time you see progress with anti-racism, there is this parallel progress with the racist. And so once, and it's only once you, we stop and say like, and he's like fear and anger and economic opportunity or or economic disadvantages are not what's causing racism. It's race discrimination that causes causes racism. And he's like, once we deal with that, then maybe we can go somewhere. Yeah. I just started it. So I can't say too much, but that's what I'm currently reading. And it was just, it fit so well with the current current issues it's really neat because he has like five historical figures figures who are like your tour guides for different periods of american history uh-huh so there's like cotton mather who i did not know before this oh, book yeah. my bad thomas jefferson uh, uh oh there was one. Oh, uh, um i think it was <laughs> w.e.d du bois oh okay um there's someone that's missing because there's five and i can only think of four and then there's angela davis there's a time period i'm missing oh william william lord garrison Okay. Interesting. So they're the five who sort of lead you through, you know, this history of racism in America, anti-black racism specifically. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm also reading, uh-huh. I was listening to this great podcast <laughs> and this lady was talking about how she started unbundling her socks. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, let me read what that's about. Yeah. So I'm reading the um, life changing something of tidying up. What's the full title? I think it's a um, life changing magic of tidying, tidying up. up yeah by marie kondo yeah the life-changing magic of tidying up the japanese art of decluttering and organizing so uh-huh. yeah my library had it so i was like well might as well and how it's a are quick you read. liking it yeah it is a quick read and there's a manga too i saw that and i'm like i'm gonna have to check that out um i like what she says in theory in uh, practice i don't know so i made like drawer organizers like she said and i did all that and i've noticed that you know on week what is it two or week three, I think I'm at now. It hasn't like changed my whole life, but I have noticed that, okay, things have a spot now and I can put things back in their spot. Yeah. So. I, I cleaned my pantry and I'm like really proud of it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Nice. I think my thing is, and I haven't finished it yet, so I haven't read the full magic, but she's <laughs> like, it's just stop having so much junk in your house. True. So it's like, I'm going through and trying to see what stuff I can give away. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So, and I feel like once I get rid of this stuff, then I'll have more spaces to put things in the And my last book, I've been trying to listen on Audible to the third Dark Tower book. Oh, I thought you weren't going to read any more of those. No, I don't I thought that. you I li- said you didn't like them. Oh, I'm not liking, the first one was okay. okay. I loved the second one. Um. And I've been struggling with the third one. <laughs> <laughs> like I had it on overdrive and then it expired and I couldn't renew it. So I was like, well, darn, I want to finish it. So I got the audible uh-huh. and like, it's just like, I got 10 hours and I'm like, I can't do this. this is 10 hours. <laughs> it just The narrator's good though. I like the narrator. Oh yeah. He, like I've noticed like my enjoyment of a book depends on how well the person can act. And this guy, he, he put some effort into it. So I appreciate it for that. Okay. Interesting. So, Maybe like the drawing of the three, I think is the best one, but you have to read the first one to get into like the whole series. Yeah. Have you seen the the movie or are you going to see it? No, because the reviews don't look that good. Also, it doesn't seem to be following the books at all. So I'm like, well, why did I start reading this? (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm one of the characters in the books is a mentally ill like black woman with a physical disability. Like she was a she was a victim of a traumatic amputation and that sort of leads to her mental issues. Okay. But she's like this gunslinger lady who's just she kicks ass. I'm like that would have been a great character to have. Oh, and they movie. didn't have her in the movie? She's not in the movie. Oh. Neither is her husband. Oh. Uh, they're like part of his the gunslinger's crew that he picks them up sort of in like various parallel and like in our universe, he sort of picks them up and brings them back to his. Oh, and they're not doing that in the oh. in the movies. Huh? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that would have been a fun character to see—a physically disabled black woman who can still kick ass. But no, let's not do that. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, all right, that's all. That's I monopolized a lot of the conversation. What are you reading? Uh, so I read two different books. I read um, Into the Woods. Um, which is an Irish novel. It came out... I'm looking it up and trying to act like I'm not. <laughs> I think it... 2014. No, this is not right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's like a play on, you know, the idea of going into the woods and something bad happening to children in woods. Um, it's it's not that movie or that musical, right? It is not, which is like adding to my confusion. Um, <laughs> but it's basically, uh, oh, it came out in 2007. So a while ago by Tana French. It's um, an Irish book. It takes place in Dublin. And there is a detective who, when he's a small child, he and his two friends, I think they're about 12, they go into the woods behind their house and um, mm-hmm. later um, the children go missing and they only find him and he's like really bloody and he has all these unexplained injuries. And then they fast forward 20 years to a little girl who's been killed in the same woods and he's a murder detective and um, it kind of unravels like uh, there's like Irish folklore and politics in there and it's like this detective novel but at the same time it's like this kind of spooky literary thing i was it was very good i would highly recommend it actually because i realized i've never really read a lot of mysteries and that's one genre i've been thinking i need to explore more yeah i i i would i would really um uh highly recommend it and i i did listen to this one on audible it was my audible pick for the month and uh what i got my credit with um, and it's nice and long. I think it's like 14 or 15 hours, which I don't like to listen. I don't like to spend my audible credits on anything un- under 10 hours. Cause I'm like, I, I pay for this. I want to get my whole, <laughs> um, so yeah, I would just, I would, I would definitely, de- I don't want to say too much without giving it away because mm-hmm. it kind of turns in on itself, but it's, it's got this really interesting dynamic between the main detective and his partner, Cassie, and these ways which how men and women interact with each other outside of romantic um, kind of entanglements, which I thought was unique for any kind of male-female relationship in a book. Um, yeah. And then, I'll check that one out. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I think you'd like it a lot. Um because it's 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 genre and it's not like trying not to be genre, but it's still very 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 well written. Um, and then uh, I also read Eileen, um, which is 
I guess another kind of uh, <laughs> um, freaky book about this girl in the 60s who's real freaky and she goes on a crime spree. Um, <laughs> I think that came out 2015. Um, and I am going to butcher the fuck out of this woman's name right now. Otessa <laughs> Moshfeg, I think is her how you pronounce it. But I think it was shortlisted for a man booker. And it's just, it's really creepy. And all the reviews that I read of it were like, they're like, oh, it's darkly funny. And I'm like, I'm just seeing the the freakiness. I don't see the funny part yet. <laughs> so um, I'm really concerned, Molly, because like you have this track record of trying to find happy, <laughs> carefree books and just getting burned. I will say that. So I got um, I got uh, Eileen from the the library because I went to the library the other day. And I remember I saw the cover and the cover is really pretty. And I kind of vaguely remembered it being on like some best of uh, list. So that's why I picked it up. Um, I'm not quite finished with it yet. So I don't want to like say anything that might be spoilerly later. Um, but yeah, I just saw the cover and I was like, oh, yeah, Eileen, I heard about this. And so I was reading it and I was like, this is pretty fucked up. This is pretty dark. <laughs> And then, like, I look at the back cover, and it's like, so funny, ha, ha, ha. So this was not quite an instance of me trying to find mirth and joy and being led astray, but it's me backing into that accidentally. You're all right. Okay. I, I just, I, I want, we need a happier book. And I think I do, book. I do kind of also want to do, though, for October, either a mystery or a horror, like a black woman. Because I, I love, yeah, I love Halloween, and I love creepy and anything that takes my mind off <laughs> the the oncoming nuclear onslaught, right. I am here for. I was gonna so, ask yeah, you we... with adaptations. Have you seen Have you seen um, the Mist, the TV show? No, I'm really listen. I got burned by Underground, and I still have not forgiven TV. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's so bad. You have to watch it. <laughs> I'll look it up. I like the TV thing, like, I, I'm still better about, HBO wouldn't take Underground, but they're going to do this Confederate mess. I'm still, I'm still hurt. So I've been watching mostly YouTube. My new thing on YouTube is watching these plan with me videos. Plan, what are they planning? Plan with me, it's legitimately people, like, setting up their planner for the <laughs> It's It's so sad, like, have you heard of bullet journaling? Yeah. That's what it is. It's people setting up their notebooks for the next month. And I'm like, this is all I need right now. This is really all I can handle. I probably watch that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's great. Um, I like both of those. Like, they sound kind of eerie and dark. Yeah. But not in an uncomfortably, uncomfortable graphic way. Yeah, true. Because we've had some dark... We had some dark reads this year. We may need to do like an urban lit book so I can be mad for different reasons. Right. So I know that we talked about <laughs> redoing so the same genres that we did before. And I know that. So first of all, exciting things are coming. You know, take yes. that, whatever you mean. And I know that someone may have contacted us about reading another book. And that someone else, Danielle, might have tried to compromise with me saying we could read another urban lit. <laughs> book if we Pretty, I straight up did. <laughs> so yes. So we, I, I I imagine that in the back half of this year we will be revisiting some of these genres. <laughs> just because I think it would be cool just to say, okay, like 
you know, our whole thing is like, there isn't one way to be black, a black woman. And I don't think there's one way to be a black woman, um, science fiction writer or memoirist. Mem How do you say that? I, I, I think memoirist sounds autobiographer. Autobiographer, you know. But yeah, but I like that. Like, we, if this was just a strictly literary fiction, like we've done numerous literary fiction titles, mm -hmm. so it makes sense that we could do more than one urban fiction as much as I hate it more than one sci-fi more than one romance we could do all the genres yeah so yeah I feel like when we do those we end up less sad too very because, true <laughs> because it's because like, it's, it's truly an escape in that point true true literary fiction is always trying to get you to think yeah it's like come be sad with me and it's like okay <laughs> you kind of go along because it's like oh my goodness you're such a good writer yeah but uh, sometimes so you're you just want to look at, read people, read about people staring lovingly into one another's eyes. Yes. <laughs> or just being trashy and being like, I am better than that. <laughs> so um, you, this is really off topic, but you said Man Booker Prize. Uh -huh. And Swing Time got longlisted. I saw that. Which I found kind of surprising because it came out and I didn't think all that many people were talking about it. I thought it just sort of like, it's here. And then it kind of went away. I wasn't surprised because it seems like Zadie Smith is kind of a critical darling. Um, mm -hmm. But even comparing Swing Time to White Teeth, like Swing Time just I don't think was a very strong book. I'm mad because it sounded like what it was advertised as. Mm -hmm sounded so good mm -hmm. and like i'm kind of i still want that book the book about two girls one who can dance one who can't who grow <laughs> up and grow apart <laughs> like i want that right the coming mm -hmm. of age that dancer yeah that two black girls and, that and it ended up being something it. completely different it was about it was about this pop star and her yeah. quest to i don't know do something i she was like an activist, a faux activist. She stole a baby. You know. You think she was trying to be Angelina Jolie? No, I guess Angelina Jolie is more legit than that. Yeah. I think she tries harder. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was in that vein, definitely. But uh, she could yeah. have been like a whole bunch of ce celebrities whose names and personalities. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we got some exciting things coming. We got some other things in the works that we'll announce hopefully this month we'll launch this we'll get out there this month yeah i think so. so yeah some big things come in as we you know continue um into year two of black chip lit Woo! there's one thing i guess you know we've already said we're gonna do the um uh live tweet of um the first two episodes of queen sugar um along with alicia from mocha girl reads we are planning to start um, 6 p.m. Pacific time. I think that's 4 central, um, August 19th. And we're using the hashtag BCL chat, which we normally use for our bonus episodes. It's 8 central. We're two hours ahead. It's, you're so right. <laughs> I'm so off today. 8 central, 6 Pacific. Because well, because you said it, and I was like, I thought it was. It took me. You see, it took me like thirty seconds to make the correction. See? That's because I was sitting You're here like, thinking, Wait like, Wait, that is right. Because I don't want to say anything until I'm sure. Yeah. See, so, and I was trying hard, yep. so hard not to say six six, six specific. I used to have a very <laughs> bad 
well, not very bad. My dad is from Brooklyn, and when we went to school, they put us in speech therapy. So I remember all those, like, S. I like S, how you said S, that as if S. one affected the other. It did. Like, your dad's from Brooklyn, so that's why you had to go to speech therapy. <laughs> they were like, people didn't understand what he was saying. My mom thought his name was Vito. On uh, their first, uh, his first birthday, they were, they were together. She baked him a cake and said, happy birthday, Vito, on it. And they all jumped out. They said, happy birthday, happy birthday. And he looked at the cake. He's like, this is great. He's like, but who's Vito? His name is Vincent. So this is the man who taught me how to speak. And <laughs> sometimes I mess up. So clock times, S sounds, they both use the same I, area of my brain. <laughs> I have trouble with the word. Well, I have trouble with a lot of words if you've listened to this show long <laughs> enough. But like specific, it takes me a couple of the specifically. Specifically. I say it slowly. Yeah. I'd say it slowly, specifically. Words, man. <laughs> Why do we like them? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we are doing that. Let's just to clarify again, August 19th, Saturday, August 19th, 6 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Central time. Yep. Everyone else, you can work from there you know, and figure it out. We can, we can do a little video of us looking at the map and trying to figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it uh, out together. <laughs> You should also listen to our most pre our most recent bonus episode because we had a special guest, mm -hmm. Alicia from Mocha Girls Read. Yeah. So we were really excited to have her working with us. Yeah, it was a fun conversation. Um, we yeah. had a lot of fun talking to her. It was. I'm really sad I missed that second. I was just dancing away and like Molly and Alicia were having a whole pot. I come back, the whole podcast is done. I was like, love it. <laughs> that was another example of us getting the time difference mixed oh. up. Uh, oh, ballet. That's the only thing saving me right now. It's the only like exercise I get, and it's the only way I can express. It makes sense, though. I started ballet completely out of spite. So. <laughs> yeah, I remember really saying that. Um, so that's it. Oh, we do have our bonus episode coming up in a few weeks. So this time, we wanted to know what new release are you most looking forward to? Yeah. So is there a book that's coming out? This is not us at all hunting for. No, no, of course not. We would never do that. We plan yeah. the whole year out. We don't plan anything five minutes in the episode <laughs> before. Exactly. So, yeah, if there's a book you're really excited about, let us know. I know Behold the Dreamer seems to be getting a lot of buzz. Mm. So I've been looking. I need to look and see if that's something we're interested in. But, yeah, let us know what you're, what's got you hyped for the second I guess two thirds of 2017. It is almost September. So. Yeah, true. Um, is there anything else? You can find us on Twitter at Black Chicklet, on Instagram at BLC Podcast. Um, you can email us at black at contact at blackchicklet.com. And we also have our own personal Twitters. I'm Danny underscore Lacey. And I'm M dash one. Um, you can see what? everything connected. Every If you see a weird person, like with a cat, or someone with a tropical drink. That's us. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> That's us. Yeah. I sometimes get confused with uh, when I'm using TweetDeck. And I notice, like, I'll go back and forth between my own account. And I can never yeah. run, like, a per like a, a company's Twitter. <laughs> that would be it's me, just, like, yeah. retweeting a picture of somebody twerking or something, like, on the company, <laughs> company account. And it would be all over BuzzFeed. I mean, it happens a lot. Like, as someone who works in social media, I was... Um, the the professional account I follow follows like our police account mm -hmm. and I know that St. Louis County Police has to have a black woman 
handling their social media because one of their tweets one day was when you're at the hair salon and then the salon goes to and the hairstylist goes to get lunch and it was just a picture of Miss Seely looking making a sad face and I was like, Yep, I know that struggle. <laughs> it was up for like fifteen seconds and that shit was snatched down. <laughs> And I was like, you were using your personal Twitter account at work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, so, yeah. sometimes she probably spent several hours the day before. And you know, <laughs> Trying to get her you hair know they never bring you shit back when they go to eat. My sister, apparently, she's almost 20. She is 27 years uh-huh. old, made the mistake of going to a black hair salon in the middle of the mm-hmm. day and had the nerve to text us mad about the weight. I'd be like, and I would be like. What did you Where expect? Are you? are you new to this? <laughs> I think she must have been. She's like, I've been waiting for an hour. An hour, minutes. girl. That ain't. That's not I'm even like, a wait yet. <laughs> it's not. That's arriving early. Right. And I was like, it's like first of all, everyone knows you get there right when they open. Uh-huh. That's the only way you do that. You get there at six thirty. You let them wash your hair, get under the dryer, then you leave and style at home. You sit on there that dryer for four hours. Yes. <laughs> you don't even have to be dry. Just let them do whatever chemical or whatever you need them to put, and then you leave and style it at home. That's how you do it. <laughs> and then maybe if you're lucky, you'll only spend four hours in there. Oh, man. Have you ever gotten, like, like twist or braids with extensions or anything? No. My mother was like, it'll break your hair off, so she never let me. <laughs> that shit. But that takes all day, I know. All fucking day yeah it's like just say kiss your loved ones goodbye tell them you'll see them next season next season so yeah and i was like girl like you're too like i don't i mean like we grew up in the same household we went to black hair salons (laughs) i don't understand why she's acting so shocked right i guess she never went on her own dime as an adult uh and that's when it makes the big difference Mm -hmm. like oh wait this is my time we're wasting now i could be doing things yeah Right. So it was funny. And she like had the nerve to be mad. And I was just like, LOL. <laughs> Can't help you. So uh, mm. on that note. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think we're done for right now. But yeah. we'll see you guys around. Hang in there. Stay strong. Like, stay safe. Stay strong. Like I saw a really good tweet that was like, you know, when mm. you're black and you're happy, they hate seeing it, seeing you. So That's like, true. Black, black, not black boy joy, but like, be happy, be black, be happy. Be happy, we be will, safe, be healthy. Listen, we have had, I mean, he can't be worse than any other shit this country's gone through. Yeah. It was already kind of bad to begin with, so we'll make it through. But that we pendulum will. will swing. That pendulum will swing back. We're going to be out here at cookouts, <laughs> watching our black ass shows. <laughs> making texts about hair salons reading these good ass books and when our get cho- some closet wine <laughs> and when our children ask us who was president after Barack Obama we'll just be like, I'll be like no what you talking about <laughs> get out of my face Barack Obama I'll be like, just went nobody. on vacation <laughs> <laughs> until he could find someone else to babysit us right <laughs> uh, we're dragging at the end but yes stay safe stay strong we'll get through this somehow Thank keep God. reading <laughs> keep reading and you know blacker than ever is our motto that's what we say so I was like right. yep I need it we need to get that on a t-shirt we <gasps> <Me> do <laughs> I'm gonna get work as soon as we're done with this conversation I'm gonna google that <laughs> um, <laughs> bye guys bye guys bye guys <laughs>